This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. We're in Mark chapter number 15. We have come now to the trial of the Lord Jesus. Uh, we began last week, last Sunday, looking at this trial. It is in two phases. There is the trial that took place before uh, the chief priests and the scribes and Pharisees that had gathered there to try him. And in Mark 15, we find that he is turned over to the Roman authorities. Uh, remember that the Jews were governed by the Romans. They viewed the Romans as oppressors. They certainly did oppress them. And uh, the Jews desired to be delivered from Roman bondage. In fact, uh, they were looking uh, for a Messiah who would deliver them from Rome. But Jesus, when he came, did not come to deliver them from Rome. He came to deliver them from their sin. He did not come to rule and to reign. He came to die upon the cross. And they rejected his message. And because of their envy of him and because of uh, the threat that he posed to the religious leaders of the day, they desired to have him killed. They have, in Mark 14, arrested him and now having began the first phase of his trial, in order that they might put him to death, they are turning him over to the Roman authorities. You see, the Jews had no authority to put anyone to death. And so in order to see him crucified, they sought to stir up the Romans against him. So we come to Mark chapter 15, we begin in verse number one. The Bible says in straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now, at that feast, he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him, whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. 
And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and planted a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him. And bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. In Luke 24, in verse number 7, the Bible says that Jesus had foretold his disciples. In fact, we understand as we've gone through the gospel of Mark and as we read the other gospel records that the Lord Jesus on many occasions prepared or attempted to prepare his disciples for his imminent death upon the cross. In Luke 24 and verse number 7, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus said, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. As we come to Mark chapter 15, where do we find Jesus? We find him as he said to his disciples, we would find him in the hands of sinful men. And so I want to speak to you on that subject this morning, Jesus in the hands of sinful men. And as we look together, we're going to find four groups of sinful men that are represented here in Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. And as we note these four distinct groups, we can also find ourselves included in them. Those four groups are, number one, the corrupt politicians. Number two, the condemned prisoner. Number three, the common people. And number four, the cruel persecutors. I want us to pause for a moment of prayer. Let's ask God to speak to our hearts and may the Holy Spirit minister to us through his word. Our Father, we thank you again that we have the privilege to come together into your presence and to your word. And in these moments, we, we desire, O oh Lord, to hear from you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would captivate our heart and our attention. Help us to hear your voice. And I pray that you would help me. Help me to be filled with your spirit. Help me to say what you want said. Help me to be an instrument, a vessel unto honor. I pray that you would accomplish your purpose in your word and through your word in our lives. Remove from our hearts and minds and from this sanctuary this morning all distractions. And may we fix our gaze upon you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to this passage, we find Jesus in the hands of sinful men. The first group that we're looking at are the corrupt politicians. The corrupt politicians. And immediately in our hearts and minds we think, well I can relate to that, right? Uh, we live in a world full of corruption and deceit. We live in a time where there is a great crisis of leadership in our nation. 
We live in a crisis time, a time where a lack of leadership, and this is the time that the Lord Jesus and his disciples and the people of Jerusalem were living in in these moments when the Lord Jesus came to trial. Now understand, as I said a moment ago, the Jews did not have the authority to put him to death. The Romans were the civic leaders of the nation. They were in control, and so they had to appeal to Rome. They had to appeal to Pilate to get him sentenced to death. And they had political power, those chief priests, those scribes. They had political power, and they were using that power to exert pressure on Pilate. We come here again to verse number one. The Bible says a straight way in the morning after the chief priests had, had, had tried Jesus before them. Now they've come together early in the morning. Remember, this trial is taking place under the cover of darkness. They held a consultation, the Bible says in verse 1, with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. In Luke chapter 23 and verse number 2, the Bible tells us that when they brought the Lord Jesus to Pilate, in verse number two of Luke 23, they began to accuse him saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. In other words, they were saying that the Lord Jesus was teaching that the people should rebel against Rome, that they should not pay their taxes. Well, if you read your Bible, you know that's not true. Uh, never, never do we find the Lord Jesus in all the gospel records and there is no place where we find the Lord Jesus teaching the people to rebel against Rome. And we, te we see him teaching specifically on more than one occasion to give, uh, to pay the tribute or to pay the tax. But to stir up the Roman leaders against Jesus, they're making these accusations. Now we note in verse number two of our text in Mark 15, Pilate asked him, art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. The Bible tells us in another place, he's asking Pilate, are you asking this of yourself or are you asking it because they told you? Here he is exposing uh, the false claims against him. He is, ex he is exposing the weakness of the evidence and the, uh, the uh, false accusations that have come against him. He's also confronting Pilate with his responsibility to make a choice personally. We notice in verse 3, and the chief priests accused him of many things. The word accused means they continued constantly to accuse him. Get the picture of the scene. Jesus is before Pilate. The chief priests are there. And while Pilate is, is speaking to the Lord Jesus, they are in the background hurling accusation after accusation, one after the other. I can imagine it was a very loud and vocal and disruptive hearing. The Bible tells us in verse 3, but he, that's Jesus, answered nothing. Why? He, ha he didn't have to answer anything. You see, uh, the, 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 the ridiculous charges that came against him, uh, by the nature of their conflicting reports, it was obvious there was no truth to what they were accusing him of. The Bible tells us in verse 4, And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold how many things they witness against thee. 
But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. What did we note last week in Isaiah 53 and verse 7? He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is done. So he openeth not his mouth. He did not have to open his mouth. He did not have to speak and, and defend himself against their false accusations. It was obvious to all, including Pilate, that there was no valid charge against him. Uh, we learn in the gospel record that Luke has recorded for us in Luke chapter 23 that during these proceedings it became evident to Pilate that Jesus was from Galilee. And so in order to free himself of the responsibility of making the decision concerning uh, the death of Jesus, Pilate sent Jesus to Herod. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 23 and verse number eight, and when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad for he was desirous to see him a long season because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Now here's the Lord before Herod. Now let's remember who Herod is. Herod is the one who committed adultery with his brother's wife. He seduced her. He is a man, though he had great power, was weak, and he was swayed by this woman that he enticed to be his wife. He was swayed by her to put John, John the Baptist, into prison. And he fell victim to her scheme, which she had predetermined in her wicked heart to have John put to death. And he became a victim of that scheme. He uttered something from his mouth. She knew he would utter it, an oath that he would give uh, to her daughter, whatever she requested as she danced in, an, in a seductive, immoral way in front of him. Stirring the lust of his heart, he fell victim. He uttered an oath. And when given the opportunity, what did she ask for? The head of John the Baptist in a charger. And he put John the Baptist to death. His conscience bothered him. And when he heard of the ministry of Jesus, he thought to himself, this is John the Baptist raised again. No doubt as he was the governor of Galilee that he had heard many, many stories, firsthand stories of those who had been healed and those who had been delivered from demonic oppression. He'd heard, no doubt heard how that Jesus calmed the storm and walked on the water. And he desired, he had a curiosity about Jesus. By the way, there's a world of people out here, they have a curiosity about Jesus. They want to see Jesus uh, like a three-ring performer, perform some miracle for them. They want to ask him questions. They, they want him to meet the whims and fancies of their lives. That is about as deep as their interest goes. They have no thought, no regard for who he is, for what he says, and what he desires for them. And so Herod desired to see a miracle but Jesus did no miracle. I want to tell you something, friends. We're not the puppet masters of Jesus. We can't just expect that he's going to meet every whim and fancy of our lives, that he's going to answer every foolish question that we utter, that he's going to meet the next need and the next need. You see, that is the way so many people view the Lord. In fact, oftentimes we as Christians can view the Lord as if he's just there to fulfill our grocery list. In verse 9, the Bible says, then he questioned him with many words, but he 
answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood by and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men, verse 11, uh, Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. Here we find another weak, corrupt politician who at first is curious, who at first wants to see a show, but when he's disappointed, his curiosity turns into contempt for the Lord Jesus, and he sends him away. Now he returns to Pilate, and no doubt Pilate is unhappy to have this responsibility upon him again. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 19 that when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife, that's Pilate's wife, sent unto him saying, have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I've suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Here's Pilate trying to remove himself from the responsibility to judge Jesus, knowing in his heart, the Bible tells us, that he is a just man, speaking of the Lord, that he, Jesus, is an innocent man, knowing that the Jews have delivered him because of envy. And now his wife comes to him, having suffered many things in a dream, saying, don't have anything to do with the condemnation of this just man. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 24, that when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather that a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude saying, I am innocent, of the blood of this just person, see you to it. I want you to know that despite his charge and despite his statement and his declaration of innocence, he was not innocent, he was guilty. He was a party to the crucifixion and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in John chapter 19, as Jesus is standing before Pilate, that he was brought to him wearing this crown of thorns in verse 5 and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. Imagine the suffering that he had endured after having been scourged. He is still attempting now to have him released. Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate Again, seeking to deliver him, seeking to set him free, saith unto them, take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. In other words, I have nothing to do with this. Verse 7, the Jews answered him, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. You see, Pilate's putting the pieces together. These Jews, in their envy, have delivered Jesus. But he's innocent. He's just. He answers not his accusers. Why? He has a peace. He has a peace that passes all understanding. He has power. Uh, Pilate, no doubt, has heard of his miracles and the disruption that he has caused through his miracles in Jerusalem. And now he hears that he claims to be the son of God. His wife has already come to him and said, don't have anything to do with him. And for a moment, the fear of God becomes to be a reality in the heart and mind of Pilate. And so the Bible tells us in John 19 and verse 19, and Pilate went again into the judgment hall and saith to Jesus, whence art thou? 
But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. Notice verse 13 of John 19. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat and ultimately condemns him to death. Why? Because when confronted with the fear of God, the fear of man reigns supreme in the heart of Pilate. He knew what was right, but because of the pressure, because of the pressure that was against him. By the way, Pilate had made a number of missteps that had cost him politically. Pilate was one mistake away from losing his authority and his position. And he certainly did not want to do anything that would threaten or harm his political position, even if it included putting a just man, an innocent man, to death, and that is what he did. The fear of man was elevate, elevated in his heart above the fear of God. And by the way, before we give Pilate too hard of a time, the same things happen in us. When we know what to do, when we know what is right, and we refuse to do it. When we know not to do something, but we go ahead and do it because of pressure, because of circumstances, because we're worried about what people are going to think about us, or in order to keep the peace, we go along with something that we know is not right. And so we find ourselves today seated among the corrupt politicians, not living by conviction, not living necessarily at all times by truth, but concerned about our own comfort and position and keeping the peace. The second thing we find here, the second group we find here is really an individual. Here we see the condemned prisoner. Notice it in verse number six. Now at the feast, he released unto them one prisoner. We're back in Mark 15. At the feast, he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was found one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. Here's what we know about Barabbas. First of all, we know something about his name and what his name means. His name means son of the father. It's the son of the father. He has an earthly father. The son of the father, the heavenly father, is about to die in his place. Barabbas had a, a family that loved him. At some point in his life, he grows discontented with Rome. And he seeks to lead a rebellion, an uprising against the Romans. The Bible uses the term in verse number seven, insurrection. And in this insurrection, he commits murder. Now, we don't know who he murdered, but we do know that he has committed a crime against the Roman government. Here is a man who stands, according to Roman law, condemned, guilty, and worthy of death. But it's a tradition at the feast that one of the prisoners be released. And so Pilate, again, in an effort to release Jesus, is seeking an opportunity through this traditional release of a prisoner to allow Jesus to go free. 
The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 15 and verse number 8, And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had done, as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Here we find the condemned prisoner. Barabbas, he's guilty, he's condemned. Jesus, on the other hand, falsely accused, innocent, is now condemned in Barabbas' place. Barabbas goes free, Jesus goes to the cross. Do you see yourself seated with Barabbas, bound in the prison of sin, guilty, condemned, and worthy of death? The moment before your execution, one stands forward. His name is Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's perfect. He's righteous. He's holy. And He's just. He's done nothing worthy of death. You, on the other hand, have. You're condemned and you're guilty. It is the moment, the time of your execution. You can see that the executioners have prepared the cross for you to die upon. But instead of you dying... You go free. And the Son of God goes into your place and dies for you. Oh, friend, I hope you've seen yourself seated there. And I hope that you have responded to his offer of salvation. Jesus Christ died in your place, the condemned prisoner. Then we see the common people. And what do we note about the common people here? Now, let's remember that these people who were now crying out crucified him were just a few days earlier crying out, Hosanna to the highest. Glory to God. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, what did they do? They lined the way with the branches and with their garments, and they exclaimed praises to God. They said, here's the king. Here's the king. But they didn't want a king that was going to die. They wanted a king that would overthrow Rome. And so they were easily swayed, easily influenced by the chief priests and, and by the scribes. And this same crowd that had cried out a few days earlier, Hosanna, was now crying out, crucify him. By the way, isn't that just like people? Fickle. And by the way, isn't that just like us? How many times have we said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm, I'm going to do what's right. I want to give glory to God. And just a few days later, we're down in, in the midst, in the depths of depravity of our soul, saying, you know, I, I don't think I'm, I'm finished with this. One minute we're ready to pass out a track and tell somebody what Jesus did for us. The next minute we can't even come to church. You see, that is the fickle nature of humanity. That is the instability of our flesh. Easily incited, easily swayed, easily moved. Just one negative word from somebody can affect our whole disposition. Can change our outlook. 
and those of us who were ready like Peter to go and die with him on the cross in the next moment can't even, can't even accept or acknowledge that we know him. The common people. And I find myself there with them. And then lastly, the cruel persecutors. The cruel persecutors. Notice it, if you would please, in verse number 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him. Now let me tell you something. This Roman form of torture called, uh, or as referred to here as scourging, was a cruel instrument of torture and death. In fact, many who suffered scourging did not survive it. A condemned man would be, uh, he would be lifted off the ground, his arms tied together, raised above his head. He would be lifted off the ground, his feet dangling just above the ground. His body extended fully. He has nothing to brace himself upon. Just hanging there. Easy prey for the the man who brings the scourge. The scourge is made of a series of, of cords, leather cords. And in those leather cords, those leather straps are pieces of glass and metal and bone. Sharp pieces. And when the man takes the handle and the cords come across the body of the Lord Jesus, that metal and that glass and that bone cuts and penetrates his flesh and sinks deep down as it wraps around his body. And then as the man removes the cords and yanks back his hand, pulling those cords away from the body of Jesus as they're pulled away, they're being pulled across his body and it's tearing into the flesh, the muscle, the tissue, the arteries. Imagine the pain and the level of blood loss that he is enduring in these moments. The Bible says that you would not recognize his image. His visage would be marred. You would not recognize him for who he is after he was scourged. Pilate had him scourged and then crucified. He gave him to the soldiers in verse 16. These cruel persecutors and the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole band. Hey, fellas, let's have a little fun. It's time to pour out all that hatred and animosity that we have toward the Jews. That's what these Roman soldiers were thinking about. Every frustration in their life, every ounce of, of anxiety and contempt that they had, uh, they were able to pour out on Jesus. All of their wrath, all of their hatred poured out on him. Verse 17, they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns. Those thorns were long and piercing thorns, not anything like what we know as briars here in uh, western North Carolina. They put it about his head and began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews, ridiculing him and mocking him. They smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him, bowing their knees, worshiped him. Here they are mocking him, de debasing him with their spittle upon his brow and upon his face. And when they had mocked him, when they had had their fill, when they had poured out every ounce of the hatred in them, they took off the purple robe from him. Put his own clothes on him 
and led him out to crucify him. These wicked, malicious men poured out their cruelty on Jesus. And we find ourselves among them sometimes. In the way we treat one another. In the way we treat people. In the hatred that can rise up in our heart. In such divisive times as these. We know that within us. Is this cruel wickedness. We see the Lord in the hands of sinful men. Men who accused him falsely. Men who tried him unlawfully. Men who condemned him unjustly. Men who ridiculed him scornfully. Men who tortured him brutally. And men that killed him hatefully. And yet we find a Lord, the Son of God, a Savior who loved them sacrificially. Who was willing to endure the shame. Despising the cross, he endured it for us. Despising the shame, he endured it for us. Why? That we might have life everlasting. You see, where do you find yourself this morning? Do you find yourself along with those corrupt politicians? Because we, too, have set in judgment against Christ. Demanding of him an answer to all our foolish whims and questions. Demanding an explanation for our suffering and our disappointment. Demanding of him these answers without regard for his person, without regard for his word, without regard for his actions and his deeds. Or like Herod, we want a God who will jump to it whenever we wish, only to set him at naught when he does it. You met people like that, right? Well, I asked God to do something for me, but he didn't answer. So I'm setting him at naught. That, that was the Herod approach. I, I, I'm just going to pretend like he's not even there. Or maybe like Pilate, we're guided by the feelings and opinions of others and we neglect the truth that God has spoken. We sin against our own conscience in order to appease people and ensure our own comfort. Along with those condemned prisoners and along with Barabbas in particular, we find ourselves bound in the prison of our sin, guilty, condemned, and awaiting certain death. But Jesus is the innocent one, the just one. He is condemned. He was mocked. He was tortured. And he was ultimately crucified in our place. Thanks be unto God, his condemnation released me from my guilt. His suffering ensured my deliverance. His death brought me life everlasting. We find ourselves this morning among the unstable, easily incited, and easily swayed multitude who on one hand praised the Lord as he rode into Jerusalem and on the other clamored for his death, saying crucify him. This morning we find ourselves among the cruel persecutors who poured out every ounce of hatred and enmity they could muster as instruments of Satan, bringing every form of cruelty and suffering and death imaginable upon Jesus. Do you find yourself among them? Maybe this morning you have never trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior. I want you to know in spite of 
of our identity with his death. Despite the fact that he bore our sins, despite the fact that we scorned him and ridiculed him and poured out our hatred upon him, let me tell you that he loves you and he died for you. And you, like Barabbas, can go free this morning if you'll simply receive him as your Savior. Would you come to him today? Would you call upon him? Would you acknowledge him as the Son of God? Would you confess your sin? If you will, friend, I want to tell you on the authority of God's word, you can be delivered. You can be saved today. And then, Christian friend, as you find yourself and as I find myself among those groups, here's what I say. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for enduring the cross. I'm glad that the, you, you know the song. It says he could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. I'm glad that he didn't come off that cross. They challenged him too. Remember that? But he did not answer their challenge. He endured the cross. Why? For the joy that was set before him. Do you know he looked down through eternity and he saw you and I this morning? And he saw all, all beyond this world into the next. And that we'll all be gathered together around his throne worshiping and praising God. No more sin, no more death. I'm glad that Jesus endured that cross and he uh, endured this suffering for you and I. We ought to praise him this morning. When's the last time we thanked him? When is the last time we said, Lord Jesus, forgive us of our selfishness. Thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, I want to be a, a sacrificial Christian. I want to present my body unto you as a living sacrifice. There's one other thing I think about this morning. The Lord Jesus said, as I have suffered these things, so too will you. I, I'll be honest with you, in recent days, I think my heart and my lips have been filled more with complaints than gratitude. I say that to my shame. Complaining about all the difficulties that we face today. Not realizing that Jesus told us we would suffer these things. That we would deal with corrupt politicians. That we would deal with fickle people. That we would deal with the cruelty of persecutors and we see it taking place and Peter warned us think it not strange concerning the fiery trial think it not strange when you deal with this persecution and these accusations against you and so may God help us as Paul exhorted Timothy to be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel to be identified with Christ yes in the power of his resurrection but also, as Paul said, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto death. The Lord Jesus has called us to bear our cross, to identify with him, to die to self, and to allow God to live in us. And maybe this morning he's saying to you, forsake the foolish desires of your heart. Take up your cross. Follow me. Be willing to bear the reproach and the ridicule and the suffering that will come to us and do it for the glory of God. I think of those disciples as they were beaten and they came back to the company of the believers and they were praising God that they were worthy. They were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. You see, had Jesus not suffered, had Jesus not died, there would be no freedom. 
There would be no forgiveness. There would be no life everlasting. But because he suffered and died, he has brought us out of guilt and he has brought us out of death. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.